You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. In 2023, there are five perspectives that you need to have if you hope to be successful on social media. And not just successful in terms of numbers, successful in the sense that you are maintaining a healthy perspective and attitude, you're setting healthy expectations with the team around you, and you're continually posting and reliably posting to build an audience. I'm not gonna talk about how to go viral, and I'm not gonna talk about the nuts and bolts of a content creation framework. I have some of those things on my radar, not the viral one. I actually think it's bad for your organization to go viral, so (laughs) you'll hear a little bit about that. But in terms of content creation, I do have a framework that I use that I've been really happy with how it's been delivering results. And so I plan on sharing that at some point on the channel moving forward. But I want to share these five perspectives with you because as I've been talking about heart in the last couple of episodes, heart and systems really have the potential to overlap. And it's a fascinating overlap that I don't think a lot of people talk about because you can create systems that alienate people. And you can create systems that create tension and friction in relationships. One of the key areas that I see this friction develop is in the area of expectations. If I come in and I say, hey, this is my expectation of you. If that is a wildly unattainable expectation, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be stress. There may be fear. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done. I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet this person's expectations. If that's the case as a leader, then I have too high of expectations and I need to rein those in. In some cases for the employee, they have too low of expectations. Got to ratchet it up a little bit. And so there's this dance that happens between expectations on both sides that really needs to be addressed if you're going to find that place where you're performing and growing and being challenged, but not expecting so much that you create burnout or you create an unhealthy environment. If you're jumping into social media in 2023, or you're looking to revamp your social media in 2023, here are five perspectives that I think will be critically helpful for you to be healthy while you're doing it. First, you need to recognize that not everybody's going to see everything you do. The way that I would kind of categorize this is you need to have low expectations. When you start posting, there isn't a group of people that's just sort of been waiting for you to start posting. No one's going to look at your content right out of the gate. I've done a ton of research over the last couple months, and every single person that is dominating on YouTube, (laughs) they say the same thing. Mr. Beast is sort of the classic example. He'll tell you, put 100 videos on your channel, then maybe we can start hoping that someone will watch your 101st video. (laughs) The only reason that seems crazy is because we're sitting here thinking to ourselves, everyone's going to be watching right out of the gate. When you get that perspective right, you're going to realize no one is even going to see all of my posts. There's a real hesitancy in the beginning. I'm going from zero to two posts a day. This is crazy. I'm going to overwhelm the internet. You're, You're not. There's, there's plenty of people posting on the internet. You're not going to break it by going from zero to two posts a day. That was the case many years ago where the algorithm would feed content to the people that are subscribed to you or following you. That's just not how it works anymore. So the more you post doesn't mean the more you're going to overwhelm your people. That's a really important hurdle to get over. Don't worry about posting too much. You can't. And then the next thing that it really helps you adjust is you don't have to post from this week's sermon. You can post from a sermon that was three months ago because compelling content is compelling content. I remember sitting in the trenches thinking to myself, man, we have a lot of really good content this week, but we only have a week to use it all. No, you don't. 
Nobody's following this timeline. I know that in the trenches, we're thinking Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming. Great. That's not what people outside of the church staff are thinking. Find content that's compelling. Find content that ministers to a group of people that speaks the truth from God's word and share it. It doesn't matter how old it is because it's still going to resonate with people. I always look at this when people look at these old sermons or like think of C.S. Lewis and his works. His works are still doing incredible work in the hearts of people that read them, think about them, study them, contemplate these ideas. That's not this week's writing. So why does that matter in the church? It doesn't. Find compelling content and push it out no matter how old it is. The second thing you need to do in order to have a healthy perspective when it comes to your social media is to have a strategy. Now, I help churches build frameworks. So like there's that, that's a, that's a whole construct, but whatever your strategy is going to be, build something and stick with it. Here's a really, really simple structure that I like to recommend when people are just dabbling in the space and trying to figure out how do I even begin? The framework that I help churches build is deeper than that. And so I understand that, but I love having four different categories of content. First and foremost, throw the idea out that it's your job as a church to entertain culture on social media. It's not true. There's too many other entertainers. You don't need to do the same work that they're doing. There are four categories that I recommend churches focus on. The first is teaching. The second is challenging. The third is encouraging. And the fourth is reaching. You can put the work that you're doing as a church into those different categories. Have a compelling piece of the message from the weekend. That's teaching. Great. Have a piece of the message that is challenging. That's like, oh, I need to pay attention to that. That's challenging, obviously. When it comes to teaching, it doesn't have to be from the weekend, just a little asterisk here. I saw a church leading up to Easter and they posted something about Maundy Thursday and they were unpacking. What does this mean? They were talking about what does Ash Wednesday mean? What does Good Friday mean? What does Easter Sunday mean? They're really going deep into what some of these things are about, where a lot of churches today don't really celebrate all of those. Some do, the more traditional ones do, but that's really interesting. That's a great way. I, I'm learning things. Like That's a great thing for me to be learning from other churches. What are these different things that different churches do mean? It's a really helpful exercise for the people of the church to learn, but also for people outside the church to learn. There's nothing wrong with teaching. In fact, when you position yourself as a church that's willing to teach, especially in the context of social media, you're going to attract a group of people who are looking for that. I don't know if you've looked around lately, but there are a lot of churches that don't really feel like they're taking people deep. Most people serious about their faith are wanting to go deeper. <laughs> if anything, I feel like churches are getting in the way of the depth that people are wanting to pursue. So position yourself as a church that's teaching. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's a lot good with it. That's a great piece of content for social media. The other thing's here, encouraging. People are going through a lot of hard stuff. Encourage them. Be optimistic and hopeful about life, about the circumstances that are going on. Whatever the tensions are in your world, provide them encouragement. And then last, reaching. It's a great platform to be able to reach people outside of your bubble. I don't know the last time you walked out of your building and shared the message of the gospel with somebody who didn't know Jesus, but social media is a platform for that. I'm not going to go too in-depth on that because I have a handful of other videos and episodes of the podcast about that, but it's a great platform to be reaching. So teaching, challenging, encouraging, and reaching, those are four really, really easy ways to be developing content. If you want to have a bigger conversation about building a framework, 
shoot me a message. Let's have a conversation about it. I take churches through a process where it helps them kind of unpack the things that they care about, identify a framework that works for them in terms of a posting rhythm, and then start collecting and creating content that really matches the values of the organization. You've heard me many times. I'm a big fan of communicating on purpose, communicating in alignment with the mission of the church. So that's what that framework is designed to be. Third, don't be trendy, be you. The phrase that I really like to anchor this with is this idea of when somebody walks into your building, what's their experience going to be like? Are they going to be greeted or are they not going to be greeted? I'm not saying there's a right or wrong with either of those things. I'm just saying your content on social media, the way that you speak on social media should match the experience that people are going to have in person. I've been to churches where no one talked to us. I've been to other churches where a lot of people talk to us and they went and got other people to come talk to us. <laughs> I've been to churches where they have seven different people that are all told that they need to be shaking your hand on the way into the building, but none of it felt personal. When you can articulate the experience, use the same language and really give people an experiential window into what they'll be getting when they come to your church, that's going to be a really powerful way to leverage social media and to begin posting. An example I love elevating here is because a lot of traditional churches feel like they don't belong on social media. Oh, it's all for the hip churches with the huge bass and the dancing preacher during worship and all that. If you're traditional, tell me about it. Show me that you're traditional. Going back to the different types of posts with your strategy, educate me. Why do you wear a robe if you wear a robe? Why do you do liturgy? What's the power of it? Is there a way you can unpack what you're going to be covering? What about the prayer that you're doing this week or this month or whatever, however often you change those things out? Tell me about it. Is there a backstory? What about the hymn? Is there a story behind that? Are there stained glass windows in your building? Do they tell a story? Do they represent anything? Talk to me about the architecture. Like These are all elements that are really prime opportunities for you to communicate to the people that are engaging with your content on social media. Don't worry about being somebody else. In fact, the more you are somebody else, the worse you'll perform, the worse you will be at getting people to come and visit your church. And ultimately, the wrong type of people are going to come. You're going to get a bunch of people who want a more progressive expression of worship. And you're going to be like, we don't, we don't want to get rid of our pipe organ. We want to have that. <laughs> Great. Keep it. But talk to the people who want pipe organs. <laughs> so be yourself. Don't worry about trying to be something that you think will make you successful. It's better to have a small, dedicated audience of the right people than a big audience that isn't the type of person that you're looking to minister to anyway. Fourth, I'm a big fan of starting simple. Maybe you can pull out a post a week. Maybe that's where you start. Fantastic. Start there. Do that. Promote the one thing. Like, post the one thing. Start there. Have that be the place where you get your feet wet engaging on social media. One of the things for the churches that record their video, there's two different options here. If you want to have a pretty hands-off approach, Sermon Shots is a great tool to be able to pull this off. You can go through their web-driven editor. You can create short clips from your service and you can have the whole thing exported in five minutes, I think is their tagline, from a full video to a clip with captions and templates and everything in five minutes. Fantastic tool. If you're more hands-on in that you wanna make multiple clips 
throughout the entirety of the video. You want to do it yourself. You're more video editor minded, that kind of thing. Descript is a tool that is incredible. It's what I use for all of my social media. I'll put a link in the show notes and in the description if you want to check it out. It basically lets you edit your videos via text. It's a great way to take a long piece of content and then make additional pieces of content from it. And this is really the key here. Mine what you are already creating for social content. I love this idea of going from long form to short form. Perfect example here is this podcast that you're listening to or watching is going to be trimmed and it's going to populate my shorts feed on YouTube and it's going to create all of my content from one long form piece. There's a lot of little pieces of information that I want to elevate after the podcast is finished for the people that don't go through the trouble of listening to the whole episode. For those that do, I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Hopefully there's value throughout for you. But I also recognize that some people just want a soundbite. They want a snippet. So I'm going to find the snippet that resonates. And I think one that's compelling, I'm going to trim it. I'm going to throw captions on it and I'll send it out. And just like that, I've taken a single long form. What that means is I just have to record one time and then I can get dozens of pieces of content out of that one long form now cut into small form, which is a really, really great way to simplify a high volume of creation without a lot of work of creation. Invest in creating one thing, your weekend service, your sermon. That's it. Then take the sermon, take a bunch of clips from it, and now you have content every day of the week. And then finally, ignore daily performance. When I first started posting on YouTube, I was refreshing all the time. I'm like, is there a new subscriber? Is there more views? Like what's happening? Is it being distributed? It's completely irrelevant what happens on a day-to-day basis. Really what you're looking for is overtime performance. I would say, sure, you can look at it a week. How did the last week go? How did this week go? That kind of thing. I keep analytics myself and I track all of the numbers. I have a handful of numbers that I have deemed to be important. And so I track those numbers every week so I can see, am I moving in a positive direction, no direction, like am I flat, or am I moving in a negative direction? And then does that tell me anything about what I need to do? Do I need to create more videos? Do I need to create less videos? Very practical example, I was heading into a season ahead of Easter where I knew I was going to be really busy. And so I wanted to throttle back on how much content I was producing. I removed two videos that I make each week. And I also removed one short video that I post each day. So I went from three long form videos each week to one, which is the podcast. And then I went from three shorts a day to two shorts a day on YouTube. The reason I did that is because I needed to pull back in order to provide well for my clients. My clients are always my priority. (laughs) So I want to make sure I'm able to serve them well. What I've seen in my analytics is that I'm growing still, but I'm not growing quite as quickly as I was when I was doing a little bit more in terms of video. So then it gives me a really, really smart decision that I can make. I can maintain slower growth or I can ratchet it up again and then grow a little bit faster. What's the priority for me? And the only reason I'm able to see those patterns is because I'm looking at a month or sometimes at a weekly level. But day-to-day analytics will really, really upset you. At least they have for me in the past. I lose one subscriber and I'm like, oh no, this is not good. Is everything falling apart? What do I do? No, it just means that one person unsubscribed. And then hilariously, usually what happens for me is I lose a subscriber 
And then later that day, I'll gain two or three. So I'll be net positive anyway. There's no point in worrying about the day-to-day fluctuations when it comes to your social media performance. It's just not worthwhile. It's not a good place to spend your energy and it leads you to an unhealthy place. I'm a big fan of building a strategy and running it for three months and then see how it worked. I was doing this on TikTok at the end of 2022. I was posting three videos a day, every day for three months. And my follower count was just not budging. I wasn't getting over a really low view threshold. And so with that information, I decided to pull the plug on TikTok. Over time, I may decide I'm gonna add another platform to my list of platforms that I'm pursuing. I may go over to Facebook or Instagram, but right now I'm just focused on YouTube because my TikTok experiment proved to me enough that it's not the place where I wanna be investing my energy for the amount of return that I'm getting over a prolonged period of time as I tested it for three months. And so when you're starting, choose a single platform, come up with a plan, invest in it for a period of time, again, three months is my recommendation, and then evaluate. Is this something that I wanna keep doing or not? So the five different perspectives that I would encourage you to have are this. Have low expectations when you start. Recognize that you're not gonna be a celebrity or the biggest account on Instagram the first day. Have a strategy, build some sort of a framework. Go to my website, lunchtimeheroes.co, and under case studies, there's a social media case study showing you those four options that we're talking about here. Teaching, challenging, encouraging, and reaching. So build a strategy, whatever strategy you have, build it, stick to it, let it run its course, and invest in that. Don't be trendy, be you, recognize who you are, unapologetically be who you are. Don't bend and yield to the voices of culture or some follower who's grumpy. You're going to get somebody who disagrees with you. The algorithm will feed your content to people that are actively against the message that you're pursuing. (laughs) That's okay. Let it run its course. Be you. Fourth, you want to start simple. Pick a single platform and run it. Invest in it. Pick one piece of content that you're going to do a week or cut up one long form video into short forms, you know, wherever you feel comfortable starting. And then last, ignore daily performance. Measure weekly, but really I would advocate for monthly to get a real clear understanding in terms of how things are moving for you and how they're trending. My hope is that by having those perspectives in 2023, it's gonna help you start, invest, grow, or improve the way that you approach social media in a way that's healthy and that you can sustain over a long period of time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.